of losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. Now let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. We're live with... Dr. Larry Kotlikoff, we'll go, uh, we'll go right into it. You were just featured on 60 Minutes, Anderson Cooper. The reason I also wanted to have you in because you broke this year, I don't know, felt like years ago, um, or you've been talking about this for a while. And then I've noticed a lot of the financial news media has been picking this up. They have not actually attributed you as sort of the guy who was the first whistleblower on this. Um, so we wanted to have you talk about uh what you were talking about with 60 minutes so go ahead sure yeah yeah i started about 10 years ago writing i was writing uh columns about social security and other personal financial issues with pbs news hour and then i started writing for forbes and every so often i would write a social security horror story column uh because i would be getting emails and questions from people uh about you know why was i getting a bill for $39,000 10 years after I've been collecting, you know, disability benefits or after I've been collecting a widow's benefit. Uh, and, you know, in one case, I wrote a, a column entitled so Social Security Sues Orphaned Six-Year-Old. And in another case, I wrote a column about them going after a disabled lady for $304,000. And so when I wrote this other book, Money Magic, that was my uh, next to last book, uh, most recent book. Uh, I was interviewed by Terry Savage, who's a um, acclaimed personal finance journalist out of Chicago. And so uh, Terry started sending me uh, questions from her readers about Social Security. I said, oh, these are the horror stories I've been writing about. And then I said, Terry, let's, uh, let's have you collect ask your readers to uh, send in their horror stories and let's see how many show up. And if enough show up, we'll write a book. And we decided we would do that. And within about three weeks, we had about 150 horror stories. And then because Terry shows up, appears on CBS local news uh, as a personal finance advisor, advisor, um, and it's a CBS station, she knew um, the key folks at uh, CBS who could then transmit the story to 60 minutes and that's how it ended up on the on the uh november 5th uh show it's the second segment and at the same time that the show with anderson cooper uh aired they anderson interviewed me and terry and also uh three different victims uh one story was worse than the other so at the same moment that uh that show aired we we published our uh book this is self-published on amazon it's a pretty nice cover in terms of production i'm not sure well it's showing here uh on your screen but it's so Street hard stories you see this um kind of pulp fiction type cover and it's it's all about what social security is doing to a million people every year uh clawing back a million people's benefits and these clawbacks can be you know a year after it's basically they're claiming that they've overpaid you 
and uh, they don't give you any uh, proof of uh, at all or even the explanation of where this overpayment allegation is coming from. So you really can't check that what they're saying is a mistake is not itself a mistake. And the clawbacks can be uh, for overpayments for a year or for five years or for 13 years, or we've seen cases where somebody was clawed back for $175 after 45 years. Uh, he was his, his mom received an extra uh, month's check for a child benefit when he was in high school and he left high school or high school ended a year, a month earlier, and Social Security goes after him uh, 45 years later. So the um, uh, so the the basic story here is that um, uh, this is a system that's very dangerous uh, to all of us. It's financially abusive. So we wrote the book, and it's half about the clawbacks, and it has about 20 actual letters from clawback victims. In their own words, we just copy the letters, and one story is worse than the other. And then you have, uh, and it's not just disabled people, it's, it's school teachers who work for non-covered employment for part of the year. It's a Canadian uh, lady who marries an American, is getting a, a, a widow's benefit when he dies. And then the Social Security claims that they want $40,000 back. And and because she worked for, a, has a Canadian pension, turns out that they have that law absolutely wrong. The, uh, the provision of the law that would reduce her benefit, if she worked for an American government, but for a Canadian school system, uh, it doesn't apply. So that's a case where they're calling back in, inappropriately they they claim they want forty thousand dollars three years ago. She appeals, and they cut her benefit immediately to zero. She's a widow, and she's you know still three years in. She's still fighting with them to get a hearing. Uh, but then we have in the book uh, ten major major uh, scams that the system is running. So everybody really needs to understand that this is not a financially safe uh, program. It's not the program we think we have. It's um, and you have to really check your benefit, to make sure that you're getting exactly to the penny what you should be getting. And you know, uh, Josh, I have the software MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com, which is um, a uh, a Social Security optimization tool. But you, we've set it up so that if people are currently collecting Social Security, they can see whether they're getting the right amount. So they can see whether they're getting overpaid, but also Social Security is underpaying you. And one way they're underpaying you, many people, is that people aren't aware of all the benefits that they have available to them. Like if you are divorced from a, uh, maybe you got married three times and your first uh, uh, ex died and you were married for more than 10 years and he was very a very high earner, you may not realize that you can collect on his record. Uh, I have a 94-year-old friend who's not collected a widow's benefit from this first uh, husband. The other two have died for really uh, 30 years. She she has left a million bucks on the table. Had she run our software and put in the information, she would have seen she would have gotten a big, you know, a, a good size. Benefit. So wait, so how uh, does uh how does somebody lose a million dollars in benefit? 
Well, if you don't apply for something, if you don't ask, you don't get, okay? Uh, they won't tell you, hey, we, we believe that you qualify to collect a divorced widow's benefit, uh, or we believe you can get a child and care spouse benefit, or a, there's 12 different benefits. Uh, you won't get anything that you don't apply for, and they won't help you. Uh, they won't send a notice, you know, please, uh, please consider applying for this money that you're leaving on the table. Uh, so this is the le least uh, user-friendly uh, institution in the world. If you uh, get one of these clawback letters, what happens is that you call up and you're on the phone for two hours, and then either they hang up on you and then you have to try it again. But once you get them to actually answer the phone, they uh, will, will say, well, we don't, you know, not in charge of this. We're going to set up a call in three weeks. Somebody will call you at this hour on this day and talk to you about the story. And then you wait for the next three weeks. You have no idea why you've got the $63,000 bill in front of you. You're scared to death because it means maybe not, you know, missing, going, not go, canceling your vacation or selling your house or whatever, uh, or moving to a lower rent apartment. So you wait three weeks and nobody calls. And then you go through the whole process again. Uh, meanwhile, they've cut your check, potentially, to, you know, often, uh, uh, more often than not to zero. So you could be living basically on Social Security and all of a sudden you have no income. Hmm. For for a, a clawback that they don't explain, it could take you two, three years to see administrative law judge who's kind of the final adjudicator in this chain of appeals. And that person is being paid by Social Security and they're under basically a, a kind of mantra, your mistake, our mistake is your mistake. So if, uh, if you're not, if you can't prove that it was our mistake, and if you can't prove that you are uh, indigent, or if we decide you're not indigent, even yeah, if you who are defines poor, who's indigent? It's each of these people have their own uh, power. There's ten thousand claim representatives who make the first decision whether or not to waive the you know waive the callback. So, and they almost always uh, deny it because that's mm -hmm. the uh, mentality of Social Security these days. Uh, Let's just deny, deny, deny. Now, the three people that were on 60 Minutes, the three victims, if you watch the show from November 5th, uh, 60 Minutes actually called Social Security, got through to the top people at Social Security, and told them about these three people. I asked them to comment. They wouldn't comment. They wouldn't come on air. Make sure I can be but heard what they did on is about Twitter, a week before the, the show aired, live. they waved all three um, clawbacks. So they gave waivers to these three people. So the message that Social Security was sending is that the only way you can get a waiver for completely unethical, you know, inhuman, uh, well, not inhuman, but abusive uh, clawbacks is to get Anderson Cooper to interview you for 60 minutes. That's the message they were sending. So wow. Uh, you know, the idea that this is a fair system just went out the went out the door, or that they're legally obligated to claw back this money, uh, 
you know, so so this is a pretty much of a, a, a scandal. And we are we have a website, social socialsecurityhorrorstories.com. So it's this title, social social security horror stories, title of the book, but a dot com. And if you are a victim, you can enter your story. And we are going to be, and also we're hoping that people will buy the book and also three three copies and send them to members of Congress. There are, there are three members of Congress, congressman or woman uh, uh, and two senators, so that they get, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands of copies of this book, each member of Congress. Trust me, in an afternoon, they can fix this. How do, how do they fix it? How do you propose they fix it? Well, I would say they should have a uh, statute of limitations that if Social Security hasn't fixed its mistake. In seven years or five years or something. Like 18 months. If they haven't, after 18 months, uh, gotten the right benefit amount for you, and if they overpay you thereafter, they just have to eat the, the difference beyond 18 months and not hit somebody with a $150,000 $150, bill who... You know, let me give you some examples of how this happens. The um, uh, one of the people on the on the show was uh, disabled. He goes back to work. He he goes into Social Security, tells him, "I'm going back to work. Here's my uh, what I'm going to earn." Every month, he sends a certified letter explaining, "Here's my salary." Okay, so after uh, like ten years. Uh, of doing this for five years, they sent him a big clawback request. I forget how much it was, but it was in the thousands. Uh, and they, you know, they had done everything they could to inform Social Security, and Social Security would not process the information, and they kept sending him disability checks. So he figured, hey, they understand that I'm working, and if they're sending me these checks and I'm saying the certified letters, they're accepting them, signing for them. The checks I'm receiving must be mine. So he cashes them and uses them. And maybe it's to go on a vacation. Maybe it's to uh, to put in addition. Maybe it's to buy some new appliances for the house, whatever it is. Maybe it's to pay for the kid's tuition. Uh, maybe it's not to go back, you know, so his wife doesn't have to go back to work. Uh, in other words, they rely on the money and then they get the bill. And so Scree says, too bad. Uh, and by the way, if you don't pay it back in 30 days, we're going to cut your check to zero uh, quite often. So that's uh, school teachers. You know, I, you could be um, you could work, let's say, for the Illinois, maybe the New Jersey school system. And maybe your school system in, in your area where you live, Josh, has is not connected with Social Security. They have what's what's called non-covered employment. So a school teacher will not have to pay FICA taxes. She'll get a, a pension when she's older or she'll get a, have money in a non, in a 403B account, like a 401k account. And her, and then maybe she worked half her career in the covered sector. So, so, so the, um, Social Security needs to know what her pension is or what her non-covered uh, 403B account balance is at the time she starts withdrawing in order to calculate correctly her benefit through something called the windfall elimination provision in the Government Pension Office 
offset provision, these two provisions that apply to non-covered workers, people that had non-covered employment. So they don't know uh, because the school systems don't tell Social Security uh, what they're sending you or what your account balance is. Uh, they don't, Social Security doesn't know. Social Security does, the school systems will send a 1099 to the IRS, but Social Security doesn't bother to ask the IRS for the 1099s. So consequently, they rely on you, Josh, if you were the school teacher, to tell them how much you're getting in this pension and also what you're, what you're not covered. And then you may go in like three months before you start collecting, show them all the information about what you're going to be getting from the school system. And they won't enter it into their system because you haven't actually received it yet. But the clerk will tell you, fine, you're all set. You go home. Four months later, your checks start arriving. You assume that they've been properly processed because you gave them the information. They didn't tell you they had no independent way of verifying the information, of getting the information. So then, you know, 15 years later, you get a massive bill in the mail and they want you to pay it back immediately. That this is hitting a million people a year. This is what Social Security's uh, acting commissioner uh, confessed to in a hearing at the House Subcommittee on Social Security a couple weeks ago. That's uh, that was also kind of covered. And in what the happens if you episode. can't pay? What I mean, what happens if you can't pay the bill back? What if you're 85? It's a hundred grand debt. What do you do? They'll stop your benefit. You can you can apply for a waiver, and they're almost always uh, denied right away. Your ten, One of your 10,000 claim reps, the ones that you happen to have been assigned to, could be a very nasty person uh, who doesn't care and is trying to get a raise by denying claim, uh, clawback claims uh, or waiver requests. They'll just deny it, and they'll say, well, we're going to stop your check in, in 30 days, and your check stops, and then you appeal the denial and that takes a long time and then you get denied again and then you require request a, a hearing with an administrative judge and then the administrative judge who's paid again i said before they're paid by social security they're hired hands for them to waive it they say they have to uh sh there has to be two things true that you have to prove that it was their mistake and you have to also show that you're impoverished. Well, they can turn you down, even if they agree that it's their mistake. If you have, uh, if you're living just on Social Security, but you have a fancy cable plan with too many channels, they will decide you're actually not poor. And they will just say, sorry, denied, and your check will continue not to come. Uh, I've seen uh, disabled people uh, who... <laughs> This one person who's called back for $304,000, the administrative judge said, I read his ruling, uh, was exactly about her channels on her cable plan. So this is um, just uh, really beyond belief. Where can that, you find uh, the, where can you read the transcript of this administrative law judge? Well, that one I didn't, I should have kept it, but I, I, I did write about it in uh, either. So no, I've heard in, about that. Yes. So you're, you're disabled. So my father was disabled. And one of the joys he had was watching TV because right. he was in so much pain for like 30 years of his life. And 
You'd listen to the radio. Always loved you as a guest, Professor Kotlikoff. And so my dad would have been denied because of his cable addiction, <laughs> cable TV. Yeah, I mean, it's just terribly, uh, you know, heart-rendering to hear these stories. There are a million of them uh, every year. So we've got, so everybody really is a risk because you don't know whether they screwed up your earnings history, whether they're paying you based on somebody else's, uh, uh, you know, uh, record, earnings record, or they're paying you too little. It's, It's really a... So if you do run our software, and I, I want to emphasize that uh, I'm pushing our software, Social Security, uh, MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com, because I know it's perfectly accurate and will get you the right answer to what you should be collecting. It's not to make money for myself because I've had the company for 30 years and I've never earned a penny, not a single penny from my company. And indeed, the company owes me money because I've lent money to the company. So I don't take any money because I want to keep the price low and pay my employees uh, a decent salary. And because Boston University, where I have my main job, they pay me well. So uh, that's where I'm coming from. Now, to, to be fully disclosure, you know, disclosing, my sister works for the company and my son works for the company. So that's the full disclosure. But I'm not here to try and get people to, uh, you know, the book that we're going to get, you know, if we get a a dollar a book from Amazon in royalties, it'll be a lot. Uh, The main thing is buy the book, read it. You'll avoid all these scams. There's also scams. uh, If you're a widow, the the Social Security has scammed about 14,000 widows over out of about $150 million, according to their inspector general. That's discussed in the book by getting them to file for two benefits, a retirement benefit and the widow's benefit at the same time. I'm talking here about young widows, people under full retirement age. You can lose hundreds of thousands of dollars, a quarter of a million dollars easily, easily by just checking a checkbox on a form or, or somebody that you interact with over the phone does it for you. And you, unknowns to you, unbeknownst to you, uh, they've just built you out of $250,000 in lifetime benefits. And and that that again is why you need to be kind of running the software. And uh, there's another book called uh, "Get What's Yours: The Secrets to Maxing Out Your Social Security," which I co-authored with uh, two other people, which was a New York Times bestseller. That's fully up to date. That's also at Amazon. It's like like two dollars and fifty cents. You can buy a copy uh, uh, of that book, and that's you know that, that's going to. Uh, make you also aware of these scams, but there's, but this book, a uh, new book, uh, um, the horror stories book, goes through that. And you know, one of the other big scams is how they're treating women. Uh, the the book, the the system's incredibly sexist. If you get divorced a day short of ten years of being married, you have no claim to your husband or wife's social security record. You get no claim to social, to spouse benefits or or uh, widow's benefits in the future. Uh, or child and care spouse benefits. Uh, and why did they make you wait 10 years to give you a right um, to this person? You may, you may have stayed home to raise the kids so your spouse could go to work and, and pursue their career, and then they leave you, uh, or you have to leave them because you can't take, take them any longer. 
why did they make it a 10-year limit Re requirement? It's really, it's really old white guys in the 50s and 60s who put these provisions in wanted to penalize wives who left their husbands. This was all about, uh, about misogyny. This was always all about if you know keeping women uh, as kind of like chattel in a in a form. If you think about uh, why is it that if you are fifty nine and you've been divorced after having been married for ten years, and you get remarried, you cannot collect uh, uh, divorce spout divorce widow benefits on your ex. If your ex passes away, you cannot collect benefits. Widow's benefits on your divorced ex, uh, deceased ex. But if you're age 60 and you get remarried or older, you can collect. Why, why 59 versus 60? What they're really saying is that we're going to give you a break if you've lost your looks. If you get remarried after leaving us, we're going to make sure that you uh, are going to, if you do remarry, you're going to do it at a big, at a big tax. If you remarry too young, but once you've lost your looks at age sixty, then it's okay. Uh, there's all kinds of provisions like this. It's discussed in the book under uh, the sexism scams. There's another huge scam here that we talk about, which is the um, uh, involving the earnings test. I could uh, tell you about that. The um, uh, it's called the retirement trap scam in the book. So here's the deal. You're, let's say, 63. You were furloughed from uh, your job during COVID, and you were making maybe 65,000 a year, and now you've got a $25,000 a year Social Security benefit coming in because you had to take it because you had no other income. And your boss calls you back and says, "Come back. I'll pay you 70,000 uh, bucks. You'll have your old job." Uh, times are better. And you say, well, look, if I come back, I'm going to have to pay federal income tax, state income tax in 42 states if I live in one of those. Plus, I'm going to have to pay, lose all my 25000 in Social Security benefits under the earnings test, which is taxing me 50 cents on the dollar above around 21, 22,000 bucks. So I'm going to pay so much taxes, it doesn't make any sense for me to come back. I'll be working on you know, for like 40 cents on the dollar. Uh, so I'd love to come back, but I can't because of these uh, huge taxes. But what Social Security doesn't tell you is that if you go back to work and you lose your benefits, they'll be kicked back to you. They'll be returned to you for, for more than dollar on the dollar. You'll, you actually get about dollar ten, dollar twenty on the dollar in the form of a higher benefit that begins at full retirement age and continues until the end of your days. So on an actuarial basis, you're actually better off losing the benefits and going back to work because you'll get uh, everything you lose, you'll get back in, in plus more starting at full retirement age. So Social Security is not revealing this. So it's like me, Josh, being Uncle Sam and telling you, sending you, uh, bring you down to Washington. The president brings you down to Washington so you know it's for real, brings you into the Oval Office and says, we're doing a little experiment with you, Josh. This year, if you earn a penny, we're going to tax we're, whatever you earn. We're going to tax it 100. percent And you say, "Oh my God, why are you doing this?" So, 
that's the rule. That's the law. We've just passed a law that says that Josh Jelinski has to face 100% tax. And so, of course, you go on a, you know, you don't work because why would you work? And then a year later, the president has you back in the Oval Office and said, you know, Josh, that tax I was telling you about, it was really a joke. Uh, I was just kidding with you because had you continued to work and lost all your money, all your earnings, I would have given it back to you this year. So we in Congress knew all about this. We were playing a game with you. And, uh, uh, and you know, we had some fun with you and you actually fell into our trap. Ha, ha, ha. This is what's going on with the earnings tests and Social Security. And they don't want to tell the truth. So it's just one scam after another. When you get people to, uh, based on misinformation or incomplete information, to change their behavior, to like buy some financial product that is different from what they're being told, or to or not to go back to work, or to take the wrong benefits at the wrong time, uh, or to to tell uh, wives, let's say, who are low earners, uh, that if they earn go go and work and pay Social Security taxes, they're going to actually have higher benefits when they're older. And that's not true. Uh, that's at some point this becomes scams, and that's why I call them scams in the book. Uh, uh, yeah. What about people who say there's there's two kind of pushbacks that I've heard from people listeners on this subject. One is what about people say you know what they weren't entitled to this money, like they they got more than they were supposed to get. Why should we? Don't we want to uh, lower? government fraud i mean you've you've spoken about it's uh, not it's not their fraud it's the social security's mistakes so social security you know they tell you i go in and i tell you here's my pension from the ohio school system and here's here's the docs and then they don't put it into the system and you get a check after they're having said fine you'll, you'll get a check starting this month and we'll take into account uh and it's their mistake. And then 10 years go by, and now, now they paid you, overpaid you $55,000, and maybe you spent it on your, your dad's operation. Uh, at some point, this becomes financial abuse. But when does uh, it become people the- have relied on this. People have relied on this. It goes against, the law says you cannot uh, go after people if it goes against equity and good conscience. So Social Security has the legal ability to waive these excessive uh, clawbacks beyond 18 months. Uh, I think 18 months is a reasonable time limit. And we saw that in the 60-minute show because they waived those three people that were the three victims. At the end of the show, Anderson Cooper says, by the way, these three people that we had on, Social Security waived their, their clawbacks last week. Uh, so it's not a legal requirement for them to be, uh, you know, incredibly abusive. Like when if I give you money, and I, you know, if I, it's like I'm an employer and I say, hey, I'm going to pay you, um, uh, you know, twenty dollars an hour, and then I say somehow legally I can say after fifteen years, you know, I actually uh, was making you a loan for. Uh, $5 an hour and you owe me all this money back. And I set it up 
uh, as a loan. I got you to sign it somehow. Uh, and so you owe but me all this money. But to follow that analogy, though, it wasn't that. It, if, if you were supposed to make $20 an hour and they paid you 25 didn't you know for the last so many years you were getting more than you were supposed to get? Well, they said they're paying you 20 paying is a, and, and they paid you, and, uh, and then they come around and say, 15 out of the 20 was your salary, and the other five was a loan that you have to repay. No, but that's, but that's not really what's happening. I'm just saying to kind of counterpoint, play devil's advocate here. Yeah. It's, it, it would be more like the person was supposed to receive 20, they received 25, they pocketed the difference for 20 years or 10 years. I mean, I, I'm okay with the government going after this, I think probably... If you, knew, if you knew you were being overpaid, it's one thing. But if you didn't know you were being overpaid. I know, but that's why I think you're 18 months. So do you have a problem with the government saying, hey, within that 18 months? I think if they overpaid you for 18 months, I think the government can fairly say, look, we made a mistake and it's on you. Okay, you need to pay us back. Yeah, but beyond 18 months, I kind of agree with that. I think that's a good compromise. That's a reasonable compromise. But But they should also fix their system so that they don't, but, but all, I mean, but f- nobody should take a penny from social security until they've run our software, because you can't tell if they're going to give you, be paying you too much or too little or leaving out some benefit that, or scamming you. I mean, our, our software will protect you against all the scams that are in this, uh, in the book, whether you're a female, uh, wife, you know, wife or a husband who's a home homekeeper and then they go back to work and they're told uh, you're going to get a benefit based on your extra contributions. And that's not the case. The software will, will reveal that. It'll keep you from the widows, prevent you from being scammed by the widow's scam. It'll, it'll uh, make sure that you understand that the earnings test is not really a tax like they're claiming it is. Uh, Social Security sends these statements every year about the COLA. And the second page of the COLA statement says, Hey, if you earn more than this amount of money, you're going to lose 50 cents on the dollar if you're young, uh, if you're a young recipient. This is terrible. Uh, people should not be uh, put into this kind of position at 87 to get a bill for, you know, $53,000. We have millions of people in this boat. I mean. No, I, I think it's a very real problem. So what's the widow scam again? Talk about that. The widow scam is, um, so let's say you're uh, 62, and it could be also a widower. Let's say your uh, wife had passed away, and you go in, and you're 62, uh, or you call them on the phone. You can't actually do this online. You either go into the office or you call them on the phone, and they're going to ask you, do you want to file for all the benefits to which you're eligible? And you'll say yes because you'll think that's going to be in your interest, right? So what they'll do then is over the phone, they'll check off two boxes. You're filing for both your retirement benefit and your widow's benefit. Now, suppose your widow's benefit is $2,001 a month and your retirement benefit is $2,000 a month. So what's going to happen is they're going to pay you the higher of the two benefits. They're not going to tell you this, but that's what's going to happen. They'll pay you the higher of the two benefits and so you'll be collecting $2,001 adjusted for inflation for the rest of your life. But had you not checked off the box about filing for your retirement benefit, you're not forced to file for both at the same time, 
then when you be, became 70, you're now 62, when you become 70, you could go in and file for the first time for your retirement benefit, and it will be 2,000 times uh, 1.76. It will be 76% higher than 2,000. So it'll be like 3,400 bucks. So from 62 to 70, you'll get $2,001 a month. And thereafter, you would get $3,400 a month. Yeah, now, I've heard, I heard, I heard that a lot. I heard that from a, a widow we talked to a week or two ago. She said she was getting this form and they said, oh, they were going to pay her 2,300. And, you know, they were filing for retirement and widow benefits at the same time. Yeah, and so and the Social Security's Inspector General uh, investigated based on columns that I wrote, and there's a guy named John Adams at, uh, at the Philadelphia office. He's the whistleblower. He, he was the one who informed me about this scam. So we started, I started writing about it, referencing John, and we finally got the Inspector General to do a report, and they came back and they said, at the time, like 13,000, uh, widows had been bilked out of 134 or so million dollars in that range. Uh, and the Social Security needed to go back and uh, correct this and pay back. And, you know, basically checking a box should not deprive you of $200,000 or $250,000. I mean, that's crazy, right? You should not be cannot, you know, induced um, or allowed to check a box that can only cost you money, right? Uh, and that's what the Inspector General report said. And here we are five years later, and Social Security has done nothing. The only thing they did is they moved the uh, URL to the Inspector General's report around so that nobody can find it. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> but it's still there. Uh, so th this is... Um, did they pay everybody back or no? They didn't do that. Oh, no, they did nothing. They've done nothing. And there are other... Uh, and where can we find this Inspector General's report just in case people are like, I don't believe this? Uh, well, I just got the... Um, uh, I'm going to have to... If, if people sign up for my Substack newsletter, which is free, larrykotlikoff.substack.com, I'll post a um, uh, the new link because the old link is no longer working, but I will post and, uh, you know, say, here's the new link to the- Probably uh, because you publicized it so much, they kind of said, oh, we're going to, we're going to change well, the URL. So what's the- Inspector General says you built people, 13,000 people out of $134 million and you're not going to pay them. Uh, where's that? You know, so Congress needs to get copies of this book. People are listening to you Buy this thing. It's fourteen ninety nine. Buy three more copies if you can afford it, or send you know a picture of it in the mail to uh, take a picture, print it out, or email it to your congressman and say read this book. And if they get enough people doing that, that'll be the end of this uh, these games that Social Security is playing because Social Security Congress can fix a lot of this stuff in an afternoon by having a, a bill uh, and just passing it by a voice vote and it's done, okay? But, but how would that solve the problem? The, the problem appears to be a system problem, like a computer error or- it's, Well, yeah, the computer, I mean, 
Social Security would force Social Security to collect the data on its own that it needs to calculate benefits correctly. It would, uh, on the widow scam, they could pass a bill that says Social Security has to repay anybody who was uh, scammed, according to the uh, this Inspector General report, uh, with the uh, uh, earnings test scam. Social Security has to uh, make clear that there's something called the adjustment of the reduction factor in its annual statements. They can pass bills that fix each of these scams. They have to tell you when you're that you may not collect any benefits based on your own work, on your own FICA contributions, because you'll collect a higher benefit from your uh, either current husband or ex-husband or dead husband, uh, and that you will not get anything based on your. They need to tell you all these things in a clear way. They can mandate this. Uh, so. Uh, if enough members of Congress get this, the message that their constituents are pissed off, which everybody should be, you know, just read, just watch the 60 Minutes episode. Anybody watching that who doesn't end up some stomach sick and think this is not the United States of America anymore, uh, you know, if you're a liberal, it's enough to make you a conservative. Uh, I mean, if you're a Demo liberal Democrat, it's enough to make you a conservative Republican. This one. And I'm not a Republican or Democrat, as you know. I'm not, uh, I think it's, you know, a plague on both of their houses. Uh, the parties have done so much damage to our country. But uh, we need to get this get this fixed. We need to have a system that works. And then the biggest scam of Social Security is, of course, that it's like $65.9 trillion in the red. So these callbacks amount to about $22 billion compared to $66 trillion that Social Security is short. So this, uh, you know, stopping these clawbacks, even if they just said, we're not going to claw anything back, period, it would cost them peanuts compared to, to the system's overall financial problem. It's not like uh, clawing back money is actually going to save the, in this manner and making everybody live in terror that they're going to get a, 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 open up their mailbox and get one of these clawback letters and the book starts with a callback letter. The first, you know, the first uh, thing you see in the book is a a letter right here, a typical. I don't know if everybody can see that, but it's a callback letter. And you see uh, that it's just demanding the money. It's saying, if you don't pay back, we're going to cut your benefits. Uh, we're going to stop your benefit checks, and no explanation whatsoever. That's what you will get in the mail. And so that everybody needs to live in fear right now. That's the story that we're trying to convey. Uh, and you could be 87 or you could be plus they're going after kids for money that their parents got on their behalf. Uh, they thought legitimately uh, one of the victims on the 60 Minutes show has cerebral palsy. Six, 32 year old guy named Roy Farmer. Uh, so Roy uh, had three operations. He finally, at age 11, can start to walk again. Social Security comes around and says, well, you know, the supplemental security welfare benefit you were getting from Social Security, we're going to stop it because you can work, you can walk. Uh, apparently, that's what they, somebody came around and, and took a look at him and said, we're going to stop your SSI benefit. His mom appeals. Uh, meanwhile, the benefit, uh, in that case, they let the benefit continue. Uh, and then they stopped paying. And 
and they probably told her to pay back the benefit in between, which was around 5,000 bucks. So she doesn't pay it back. They're poor. Uh, She's a a divorced uh, mom. So she dies uh, a couple of years ago. Roy, out of the blue, age 32, gets a bill for for $5,000. And he's one of the victims. No, we had this. There was a listener. um, I think I told him to reach out to you. They they had this very thing happen to him. The son was an adult uh, with a disability. The mother just passed. And they don't even know how to, because the mother handled all the affairs with the government agencies. And now you guys wrote me that. Yeah. So I think the best thing to do is put your um, case up, uh, enter your story at um, socialsecurityhorrorstories.com. And, you know, we will keep directing social security and Congress to look at this list of stories. It's going to be in the tens of thousands to maybe, you know, in the millions of you know why I wish we and, took some of the ninety billion dollars dedicated to the IRS to solve this problem with computers. Yeah, you this know. The, you know, Social Security was given money by Congress uh I think seven, eight years ago. That came out in the in this hearing uh, a couple of weeks ago to hook up their systems with the school systems, for example, and uh and with the IRS to improve their communication so it's all electronic so this stuff wouldn't happen and so far they've done nothing hmm. that's what the acting commissioner said where it's still work in progress you know if this were any private company it would be done in in three months yeah people okay? would be fired uh, too people would be fired and i would say any commissioner lets this stuff go on i mean the commissioner themselves the acting commissioner new commissioner is supposed to come on uh, they can send a, a, a letter out to the 10,000 claims representatives and say, you waive anything after 18 months. Uh, the waiver cannot include any any monies owed beyond 18 months. If we haven't found uh, a mistake by then, it's on us. And because otherwise it goes against equity and good conscience. And that's the overriding principle in the law. And that's the way I read the law. Right now, these people who are running Social Security are scared that they're going to be violent. The law is not perfectly clear. Uh, so, but obviously, you know, if they waive these three cases, they have the ability, the power to legally uh, say, okay, fine. You're not, you're not responsible. We are. So they can do that for everybody. But how do they solve it, the problem though? The problem. I mean, the 18 have, month yeah. is a solution to the issue of sort of statute of limitations or whatever you might call it, but it doesn't I mean, solve the fact that their computer systems. So they should errors. get rid of the earnings test period. Uh, they that That's easy to legislate. They should get rid of, uh, they should change the whole weapon GPO so that, uh, I mean, these are very crude ways of adjusting for people not having contributed to the system. They, there's There are reform proposals, I could get into them. So fundamentally, they need to fix uh, the structure of the system. But in the short run, they can do some patches that leave people, uh, you know, uh, you know, that end the abuse. But and, how do we how do we solve the debt crisis if we're if we're now forgiving these problems? I know it's only twenty two billion. It's dropping the bucket. But don't we got to start somewhere? 
Well, I think on Social Security, which is $65, 66000000000000 trillion in the red, what I would do, um, my proposal, and that's at, uh, again, uh, uh, larrykotlikoff.substack.com, or you can also go to kotlikoff.net and look under columns. Uh, there's a column called personal security uh, system, the, the personal security system. So how I would reform Social Security is I would basically grandfather it. I would pay off everything that's owed under the current system, let nobody accrue additional benefits under the old system, just put zeros in your earnings record so you get your benefits calculated based on the current law. It's just that you have no zeros in your earnings record, so there's no additional accrual. We'd, keep the, we'd lower the FICA tax a bit and then have it gradually decline to pay off the benefits owed to people under the current system. And then we'd have everybody contribute to a personal uh, security account, their own uh, account. But uh, the government would make matching contributions for the poor, the disabled, the unemployed. It would be progressive. All the money would be collectively invested in a global index of stocks and bonds, government and corporate uh, bonds, uh, and also real estate investment trusts, fully diversified. The government would guarantee a zero real return. You get back at least your contributions plus, plus inflation, so you cannot lose money. But it's collectively invested, and at retirement age, your uh, account, your your share of this uh, of your cohorts, your birth groups uh, balances would be gradually sold out, uh, sold off, and used to buy inflation index bonds, and that would be used to pay you a inflation protected payment pension that continues until you die, just like the current system. But it's um, going to be, uh, you know, it's uh, if you fully have, financed, there's no Ponzi scheme where they're relying on workers. Fully, fully financed, and you get back your share of, of the birth cohorts uh, total balances. Uh, so it's not like you're getting, uh, you know, screwed on the co- all the progressivity is up front a- at the beginning. Okay, if they're going to, if the government's going to contribute on behalf of the unemployed, disabled, and, and poor, you see it. It's right up front. And what article and is this? Identically. And if I have twice the money, I put I have twice the money in my account that you have. I get twice the size of a pension when I start getting my pensions. Uh, so it's a gradual annuitization uh, based on, and it's all inflation index based on buying, converting the this index fund of global securities into inflation index bonds on a ten-year basis, gradual. And what's basis. the article called? Uh, the personal security system. What, what date? I don't see it here. Oh, well, I've written about it uh, in different places. But if you just Google uh, Kotlikov personal personal security accounts or personal the personal security account system or the personal security system, you'll come up with it. So we're, we're talking about Social Security Horror Stories, which folks, if you like what you're hearing, want the new book, buy Professor Kotlikoff, call us at 888-988-JOSH, and I'll buy it for you. And they've been so generous to give a couple free copies to the first three of you who schedule and keep your no-obligation review. It's called SocialSecurityHorrorStories.com is the website. You can tell them about your horror story. Protect yourself from the system and avoid clawbacks. Featured recently on 60 Minutes. So call us now, 888-988-JOSH to get your free copy. 888-988-JOSH. 
Uh, any other websites on this issue that you want to plug before we go to some other personal finance questions? Well, um, no, I think I think this is good enough. You know, LarryKotlikoff.substack.com to keep up with uh, my writings. Uh, Kotlikoff.net is my main academic website for people that are interested in more academic uh, writings. And then um, and then the SocialSecurityHorrorStories.com. But please, if you're going to get the book, get a, get three more for your members of Congress and uh, tell everybody that you know about this issue and everybody should read the book because it will scare the hell out of you and uh, enough and it'll piss you off enough to motivate you to get to do something you might not have done for a long time, which is to talk to your members of Congress to get their acting gear. Because, by the way, these congressmen and, and women know about this problem for decades now because they're besieged by people with these stories and they can't get Social Security to act. So now it's time for us to say enough is enough. You have to fix this. Uh, and if you have to put a, you know, a thumb in the dike here for temporarily and then fix things more fundamentally, put the thumb in the dike and do it today. Because it should not be three people on 60 Minutes who get, who get helped. Uh, they're not the only, there's a million people out there that need help. And you could be the next one. And that's also why you should go to MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. Buy uh, the printout for yourself. Uh, put your own numbers. You get your own personal Right. A plan where you get to see the optimal social security strategy for you. You could call us at 888-988-JOSH. We'll run it for you. Or you could get it uh, for a low price of, what is it, like 40 bucks? It's, it's very reasonable. Yeah, $39. And we'll say, look, here's the benefit you should be getting. And then you can compare what you're getting, gross of any deductions for taxes or Medicare Part B premiums, and see whether you're getting the right amount. And then you don't have to worry about clawbacks down the road because you'll know you're getting the right amount. But if they haven't included your pension, our software says, tell us about your non-covered pension. Tell us about your non-covered 403B. Uh, it could well be that you're getting overpaid because a million people are. Uh, or you could be getting underpaid or you could be not getting you know, a benefit that you're eligible for and you don't know about, but the program will be by walking you through its questions it will ask you about your dead ex. And then my 94-year-old uh, friend, Linda, Linda would, would have gotten, you know, literally she left a million bucks on the table. Wow. She had up all the benefits, I think, that she uh, lost, you know, accumulated with interest over all these years. It's a million bucks. And there are so many options, uh, different po possible filing strategies with Social Security, delaying retirement to receive higher benefits working longer, earning more to increase benefits? Should you work longer? Um, suspending your benefits, suspending it for retirement age. Yeah. Sequence and time spousal and retirement benefits for grandfather under prior laws. Maybe you are maybe you have prior laws that are applicable to you. The windfall elimination provision, the government pension offset. If you're a widower, there are so many options. You don't want to do the social security decision alone. Uh, go to MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. Be the best, best 40 bucks you ever spent. Or you can call us and you get the free printout, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. Um, you're a personal finance expert. You wrote the last book, MoneyMagic.com. 
I always want to say magic money, but um, <laughs> it's but, not money magic. I don't really think we have a website. It's just money magic. Money that's, magic. That's that's a that's the book. Yeah. And um, any new personal finance tidbits that you've been studying? Well, um, or is this? I mean, I guess this has occupied most yeah. of your time, but. This has taken a lot of my time of, of late. We had to write the whole book in about three months. But the, um, you know, I would say right now the, the biggest tidbit is that the real return on on inflation index bonds uh, is quite high. It's about two and a half percent. And so now is the time for people to build a living standard floor. And our main software is actually called Maxify Planners. Maxify M A X I F I dot com maxifi.com and that that tool has uh, something called upside investing it lets you uh, use tips to build a floor to your living standard and then have put the rest of your assets in the S&P but not spend them assume they're going to be lost 100% until they're gradually withdrawn and you would specify when that happens and how you know uh, over what years it, it happens and then when the withdrawals happen, whatever money is in the in your stock account that you thought you've treated as if it's going to be zero because you haven't spent out of it, and uh, now you're going to withdraw it and then buy some more tips and then be able to have a higher living standard floor. So your living standard has a flat level, and then starting when you start withdrawing, there's going to be upsides. And the different upsides we show via Monte Carlo simulations. Uh, you know, here's the probability you're going to have a, you know, here here's the fifth highest uh, uh, trajectory. So it's it's flat, and then it goes up, and it's got the fifth highest average living standard over your lifetime. Here's the 25th highest. Here's the 50th highest, uh, 75th and 95th. So you get to see the upside. And the really interesting thing is that now with two and a half percent real, you can get a pretty decent. Uh, floor uh, because the real return on long-term tips is high. You'll have to do some laddering of your tips uh, to uh, make sure that uh, you know, you'll have money of different... The, the maturity, the, the, the uh, yield structure is pretty flat. So the term structure of the yields on tips is almost flat right now. So you can buy 10 months, 10-year tips or 15-year tips and get... Uh, Two and a half percent real, so you can arrange these tips so that you have exactly the money you need to supplement your other income uh, to maintain your living standard, coming in exactly in the right time, and then just have upside risk. That means you can sleep at night. And the interesting thing is, you don't need to put a very large share of your wealth in stocks, and and still get a very good upside. If you put, you know, you could be like fifty-five or sixty. Put twenty percent in the in the stock market. Say I'm just going to let it ride for twenty years until I'm eighty and see what the, what's there, and then start gradually taking it out, or maybe seventy five. There's a very high probability that you're going to do quite well, uh, just with twenty percent investment. Uh, but you can see the trade offs. You can you know, the, and the program will say exactly how much to spend. You know what that living center floor is, and and therefore. How much you get to spend on a discretionary basis to have that living standard be constant through time per household member. 
So that's what we're focused on. Uh, you know, your discretionary spending, not your taxes. You know, we take into account your taxes, but we're trying to maintain your discretionary spending per household member through time, uh, because that's really what your living standards about. And uh, and then the, the program can be used to look at things like uh, freeing up equity, uh, moving, uh, you know, moving, downsizing your home, moving to a state that doesn't have an income tax. Uh, my basic demo when I demo my program to our software maxify.com to financial uh, planners uh, who might be interested in using the tool with their clients, but we have, most of our clients are actually households because the financial planners, uh, uh, well, for whatever reason, they're into uh, different types of planning, basically, uh, non-economics-based planning, but when I demo the tool, I have this case of a guy's a couple in their late 50s who have saved very little compared to their earnings. They're making like $350,000 a year, and they only have like a million and a half in assets, which is not a lot for that site. But that's regular. That that, that's, a, that's a common phenomenon I've seen. Yeah. So, so and they want to retire at 62. And so I, we do the base calculation. Okay, this is what you want to do. Here's where you're... Here's your sustainable living standard. Here's your lifetime spending. And then I say, show them, show, set up a case where they work not till 62, but to 65. They, they uh, downsize their house at 65 and move to Tennessee. And they do a, um, they wait till 70 to take social security rather than starting at 62. And they also do a, a, a Roth conversion for like 75K for about four years. So I show uh, in this case that I'm able, I'm able with no risk whatsoever to essentially double their living standard. Their lifetime spending goes up by almost a factor of two. Their annual living standard is up by a factor of two. So this is like uh, resurrecting their retirement for somebody who hasn't saved enough, uh, doing some other things that are safe. I mean, there's no risk in waiting till 70 to take your social security. There's no risk in selling your house and moving to Tennessee. There's no risk in, uh, work, you know, if you can, uh, working until 65. Uh, if you've got, you know, if you're doing well in your job, there's no reason to, that there's no risk of being fired or anything like that. And then for a lot of people, that's the case. So why not have, why not see what you can do safely before you uh, count on the stock market? But if you are going to count on the stock, stock market, just do it on an upside basis uh, where you only have upside risk so that you can sleep at night. So that if the stock market crashes 90%, you know, crashed uh, between 2008, 2009, it crashed 53% in real terms. Why have to worry about that? Why not be able to say, oh, it fell, but, you know, uh, we're not going to, I'm going to take it out. I'm just going to let it ride. Some good chance it's going to come back up. And uh, whatever will be, will be, but my living standard is secure. I don't have to uh, start eating cat food and panic. And that's what people want in retirement. And this is the only software that, that does upside investing. I'm the only economist that has provided economics-based financial planning software to the American public. It's taken us 30 years developing this tool. It's Maxify tools $139. The Maximize My Social Security tools $39. Uh, these are the best tools out there. I, trust me, I've looked at the other tools. 
they're very much connected to trying to sell you product uh, or get you hooked up with some financial advisor who's going to charge you fees. There's, But most financial advisors I, th- I found are very honest people that are stuck using crappy tools. And because they're their firm says they have to use these tools. They're stuck, or they're they're too um, kind of set in their ways to try something new. Uh, so they're using conventional planning, which is a fifty-year-old methodology that was designed to sell product. It wasn't designed to help people, and has nothing at all to do with what economics says you should do. Yeah, I would it, say ninety-five uh, percent of the software I've seen has significant flaws. Yeah. And the 4% rule and the efficient frontier hypothesis and all of these things are based on 30, 40 year projections when you have the 80s and 90s, which 80s and 90s were remarkable periods of stock market growth. They didn't have, they didn't account for uh, the period from 2010 to 2021 that we just went through that where the, where the rates on bonds were 0% in real terms for how many years? 1% for 10 year treasuries? And people, yeah. people were really screwed by following the traditional conventional paths, not following a macroeconomic outlook on your money, which Maxify does. So you can go to MaxifyPlanner.com or call us 888-988-JOSH. We'll tell you how to get that uh, program for you. So I want to thank you so much for joining us, Professor Kotlikoff. Folks, go to Amazon, get the book, Social Security Horror Stories, or call us at 888-988-JOSH. 888-988-JOSH. want to thank you again for joining us, Larry. Great pleasure again. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, we'll have you on soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. How are you doing anyway? Things good? Good. good. Uh, tired. That that thing I read was a little worrisome today. It was like, oh, crap. They're coming. The, the, uh... okay. Yeah. I'll take a Send me a link. Okay? Well, no, what it shows me is if the government is getting involved in product selection, what are they planning? I mean, I'm all for doing whatever in the best interest of the client, but then they're going to say, well, why are you charging 1% fee on bonds? Why are you charging a 1% fee on the S&P? You know, it, it, it's going to get to where it becomes price fixing and the Elizabeth Warren, your 401k is a public good. And there are many people that, yeah, that follow your, you know, that 1% fee is to help, you know, the planners, I don't see most planners driving around in, um, you know, in Tesla's, mostly they're, they're good people, solid people. They're trying to, and some of that 1% is to spend time with somebody talking about their divorce or their kid's illness or something like that. And it never gets charged. So, you know, given that there's people know, should, you know, yeah, well, they're making those cases that they're making the case that for every, uh, you know, 1% fee over a 30 year period, it's 250 grand. I know that everybody, every financial planner, if they are reputable, will show that. Here's the value of doing it yourself. But a vast majority of people, I would say one person out of every hundred that we meet with really has the chutzpah to do it yourself and not sell when the market goes down. Right. The general population does not know when to sell, when to buy. Um, just even case in point this October, I got more calls. Oh, should I sell everything? And 
people are very worried this October. Now we've had this epic rally for the last nine days. You know, people just, they need a financial advisor to kind of protect them from themselves and their own emotion. But it's the same reason why a surgeon doesn't do surgery and they're themselves. But it's like, there's a very vibrant community of do-it-yourselfers use Vanguard and Schwab and I, I it, it, but that is the, um, the ilk of the Biden administration. So they're not, at least with Obama, they had um, people who knew what they were doing, at least, write these reports. So they would talk about the benefits of a fiduciary, wh why you should know what you're paying. Now they're just singling out products and saying they're screwing people. It's a very dangerous. Yeah. Send me, send me the link. Yeah, definitely. I just send it to you. But, but what they're contending is a junk fee is a cap on an indexed annuity where other than kind of your theory on inflation index bonds, um, index annuities are generally going to get 1% greater than the 10-year treasury over a 10-year period of time with no fee borne by the client. So they're just not, it's not a variable annuity with a three or 4% fee. And in all honesty, even though variable annuities were bad, you, you outlined the last good variable annuity like years ago with some Penn Mutual product. So those high fee annuities, some of them had benefits like inflation adjustments. They don't do that anymore, but, um, the, uh, but, but the annuity that they, they're going after has zero internal fee to the client, zero. So okay. it's, yeah. it's, uh, and they don't even, they don't even have the real adjusted rates and, you know, the, it's, it's, it's like an inappropriate comparison. They need a class in, of course, in logic. They're yeah. comparing the S&P with no fee to a fixed index annuity. The client who would have their money in the S&P is not an annuity shopper. An annuity shopper is not somebody who would buy index funds or they would do an appropriate, you know, I might put 40% of my money in here and 10% in cash and 20% in treasuries. And, you know, it's just a really yeah. dangerous yeah. precedent. Yeah. And I know you have a, uh, a big bullhorn. And, and to me, it's the whole idea of, I think ultimately they'll try to make a case that everyone's 401k is a public good and should buy treasuries. That's, I think, where this is going. Oh, my God. The, that would be, uh, yeah, things would be even worse than they the are now. The evisceration of... Because they're not saying, hey, you know, they have one line that say, okay, uh, financial advisors are, are, you know, worthy of their fee. But then um, they don't even... It's just like every... I could do my own oil changes, right? I choose not to. You know? What's the name of this bill? Is this on uh, CNBC or something? Well, it's not a bill. It's it's doing administrative rules for DOL. It's all the ALJ stuff. It's called the Retirement Security Rule. Let me just take a look. Um, it's already been. It's uh, and it's it's erroneous. Because there is no fee borne by the, uh, they're saying a cap is a fee, which isn't the case. Cap is a cap. Um, 
And mind you, they don't even realize that the caps now on the products are 9 to 12% because the rates are higher. So you could have a client who doesn't want to be in the S&P, right? They don't want, they don't want to lose 20% when the market goes down, but they want to make a certain upside percentage on the cap. And then when the market's up 20, they make 12. When the market's down 20, they don't lose anything. And there's zero internal fees on the product, but it's just, it's just so they can, I guess, go after a whole swatch, a swath of uh, the electorate. It was like Obamacare went after doctors. You know, these rules sort of go after people that might vote Republican. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even understand why they're doing this. They say the rule will cut junk fees in retirement products. There are no junk fees in a fixed index annuity. There's zero internal fees. And then they talk about a commission. Commission is an administrative expense of the company. Instead of paying for ads, these companies pay for distribution. Every product is distribution. What are we going to ban commissions on real estate because realtor commissions are high? It's like, it's a very, whoever wrote it is an idiot who didn't even understand the true negatives of even the product they're discussing. It's very, uh, it should just be that if you do a product, if they want to do this, you have to disclose the fees and the caps, which are already disclosed anyway, by the way, in the various legal documents for the companies. But this to me is they're going to try to get into 401k rollovers. They've already been involved with it since 2012, but. Because you have to give ongoing advice. So if somebody buys a product, then you have to advise them for the next 40 years yeah. about the product. But, um, but not get compensated. Right. The whole idea of annuity compensation being high is it generally you're paid once and then you're never paid again. And you're under the expectation of servicing that person annually. And most good advisors will choose a 1% fee or something like that. They're not going to choose the, the higher commission because they want to get a recurring revenue for servicing. It's, it's not even accurate. And then they go on to say that the market for these products has grown. The market's grown because people don't want to be in the stock market as much. It's the whole appeal for your inflation tips argument. People want upside investing. They don't want to risk their retirement savings. Well, all right. I'm going to have to take a look at this. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So uh, <laughs> we can talk about it online maybe. Yeah, I point. think ultimately what they're going after is the 401k is a public good. And pretty soon they'll ban fiduciary fees. <laughs> and then they yeah. don't they don't tell us as an industry what they want. If they just said we we should ban outright commissions and you should charge a fiduciary fee of 1%, I would argue that a 6.5% commission over a 10-year product is better because that's borne by the insurance company than a 1% fee borne by the consumer for just to park their money in a product. Mm. But um so you're getting nailed. <laughs> it's it's like the um, you know uh, 
it's really kind of like so what we've been talking about is just uh, in the context of uh of your industry it's just yeah it's just and, everywhere the government's involved they just are screwing and by the way if you did an annuity possible. with us i disclose my commissions i disclose all my fiduciary recommendations i disclose conflicts <laughs> i yeah. I tell people, hey, we're making a commission on this. I disclose what it is. And I give them right. the option to do a no commission product with a fee. Right. Like I had an 80 uh, something year old client and I said, well, here's the no commission option. Here's the commission option. You know which one she choose? She wanted to make, you know, whatever, 5% for five years or 6% in a five year product. She'd want to pay me. So she chose the commission option because she didn't believe in the fiduciary payment. She said, I'm just going to park my money there for five years. She made a good point, you know, and, right. and she's making net more than if she would have had a bond fund. But, you know, it's like, and the other problem is they change. They vacillate. One year they're okay with certain compensation grid. Then the next year they're not. Then one year they say it's about disclosure of fees. That's what this started as disclosure. And then disclosure led to it's it shouldn't even be a viable business model. Because they're basically questioning. Now we do this anyway, we disclose it, but because I I envision the government just finding the hell out of people down the road, because they've been. But right. but if they want to go after you, they will. It's like there's no and there's no adjudication. It's all administrative law judge. It's the same problem with this. So I can't. I don't get a jury of my peers. If there was a problem, no. you get an SEC. No. There was a guy in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I knew the guy. Nice guy. He um. They did mutual fund compensation. He was a fiduciary, so they gave the SEC audited him. They offered to give all the clients back every commission, and they still fined him for two million dollars. Oh yeah, because they believed they were bilking investors. It was like, and then they were then suing the SEC for not accurately. So what became it was going to be a two hundred thousand dollar fine. It ended up being a two million dollar fine because they fought the government on the issue. Oh Jesus! Because back in the day, I never liked mutual fund commissions. So if we you buy a mutual fund with us, we don't charge any commissions. We charge the fee. Because the SEC has sort of shown that they're against that. But that was not the law 20 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. Yes, of what the law is. It's crazy. And it's not yeah. about the laws. These are all rules by DOL. They're right. not, I got it. they're Department of Labor rules. They're not like accurately, like it's, there's no legislation. And it's really the same thing. It's, you know, it's the Social Security has decided how to interpret, uh, you know, the legislation, but they can interpret it a different way. We just saw that, you know, they interpret it a different way for this. It's the same people. thing with this. And it all yeah. depends on who your auditor is. And then you got, yeah, it's, right. uh, you know, it's, it's a crazy I, I, business. I got an email from one of the people that was actually videotaped by 60 minutes. They didn't include, they did not include her because of time on the mm. show. She gets no relief. Right. Anyway. I got a boogie, but this was great. Thank yeah. you so, so much. This Thank is really you. important for uh, people. Yeah, so. no, it's crazy. I mean, I think the number one thing they should do, 
that would solve a lot is ban administrative law judges and everything should be a jury of your peer, you know, on all these issues. Oh, yeah. I think that the, the overreaching no, executive branch. No due process here. I mean, you, you're, you're not told what's going on. There's no evidence. And that's, uh, just, and no. that's same thing with the SEC the, and with the uh, DOL, with the, this Social Security thing. It's crazy. Take care. Bye. Ciao.